Arizona sports, the local sports leader. It's Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. We are out here at Meteor Row. I want to remind you the Meteor Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It is the Wolf and Luke show on a Tuesday morning. I'm Luke Wolf. What's going on over there? Man, I just had to go ahead and adjust the headset. I just want you to know this right now. I totally had to shrink it so much. I don't know who was wearing this headset. Like but that two thing, people, so. like a five-gallon bucket. Imagine a five-gallon bucket, and you put the headset right over that thing. I is Calvisi walking around here? <laughs> Maybe it was a mascot. Do we have Paul? Maybe we had is a Paul walking around here? Maybe Calvisi was wearing this headset based on these, because it is unbelievable how much I had to shrink this thing. I think that is your first Calvisi shot of the week. Well, it's only Tuesday morning, but still. Yeah, you know what? It's going to pick up as the week unfolds right now. <laughs> have you noticed this, too, here at Media Row? Have you looked around? Anybody just look around, and suddenly you notice there's a bivy of activity that was not here yesterday. Would you agree with that yeah, statement? Yeah, I would say, I don't know, increased by about 100%. I mean, there's still a couple tables that there's not people sitting at, but there's stuff at those tables already. So if this is going to keep doubling every day, Friday's going to be insane. This is going to be incredible Friday, and of course, you know what happens. It's walk around Friday. It's going to be walk around Thursday is that like as well. Walk but it's, Wednesday? It's walk- no, okay. it is not like that. But all these people are going to start walking around, of course, and they're going to say, hey, listen, here, here's Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Would you like to talk to Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor? Taylor did you? No, I did okay, not good. fight Lawrence Taylor. I did not, as a matter of fact. <laughs> a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> okay? I did not. LT, LT was a Bad, bad man, Basil audience. Did anybody fight Lawrence Taylor? Um, I, I would imagine at some point in time, somebody somebody fought Lawrence Taylor. One person somebody, had to go out there. Somebody had to actually do it. I, I would imagine it would be an offensive lineman, of course, for the New York Giants when he was young, coming into the league. Look, it's this kid from North Carolina. Everyone says he's going to change the game. I'm going to fight him. We're going to find out just how tough he is. And unfortunately for whoever that was, he did find out how tough Lawrence Taylor was not ideal. Yeah, how do we get on Lawrence Taylor? We're sitting here at Media Row well, right you now. You said he was going to be walking broadcasting, getting ready. The Wolf and Luke Show, Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Are you jacked up? Can you feel it? I tell you, yes, I am. But the real reason I'm jacked up, Wolf, is we get to see unless somebody sits tonight because it's the NBA. So who knows? By my count, we get to see the Suns starting five tonight. Unless somebody gets traded before tonight. Okay, now you want to jack me up big time. Unless right? somebody gets traded or gets load managed. So I guess gets traded, Chris Paul, or load managed, Cam Johnson, or DA. Can you be load managed? That's awesome right there. Somebody gets load managed. Sorry, you've been load managed. Yeah, by the way, can I talk to you right now, Mikhail? You've been load managed. Mikhail would never He's immune to load management. He is. Yeah, you can't load manage. You do not load manage Mikhail Bridges ever. Now, maybe you want to do that with CP3. Maybe you want to load manage him a little bit right now, especially after the story came out that wasn't supposed to come out? Is that what it was? We don't even know if it was... uh, Yeah, who knows? That's just a mess at this point. People said that wasn't even it. Chris Paul's name was just thrown in there, and it's frustrating. They used him as leverage, whatever. Hey, Chris Paul's going to shake that off. That is my prediction right there. It's a prediction. That's what I said. Chris Paul will 
shake that off and be the pro that he is. Devin Booker's back tonight. Okay. So, by my count, this is the first time since the eighth game of the season. And I'd have to even double-check that one. But whenever Cam Johnson got hurt, that we actually get to see the Phoenix Suns starting five. And the trade deadline is Thursday before their next game. So this might be the only time we get to see the Phoenix Suns starting Raise your five. hand right now if you want to see Devin Booker play. Well, I mean, right, raise your hand right now. with all these right people at the other tables? Are you They're not me? waving. What are you doing? They're over there Seriously. talking about football. 102.5 the game? Raise your hand. <laughs> you got to be Calling out Nashville's me. best like that. Oh, I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> it's from that. Yeah, there it is. Nashville. You're right about that. Hey, you know what? Who wants some ribs? I don't know. They Nashville. I think Nashville. I think the ribs immediately right there. I want to see Devin Booker play tonight. I'm very, very excited about this. Um, I, I respect this guy and love watching this guy compete. He is a smoldering ember as he goes out and competes. And it doesn't matter if it's on the offensive end of the floor, the defensive end of the floor. It's who Devin Booker is. And I think a lot of what we have seen uh, from the Suns from time to time, a lot of the uncertainty from the Suns over the last, um, I would say, 25 games, uh, certainly he missed a large chunk of that. Um, It's because Devin Booker was not in the lineup. Having said that, once again, it doesn't fix everything that he's coming back. But the leadership is back with Devin Booker. I can't wait to watch how guys around him respond because I think with D-Book, I think he's going to pick up right where we would imagine he'd pick up. Man, I can't even do the math because D.A. missed some games early in the season, too. So they have not had their actual full starting lineup together in a long time. Let's just put no it that doubt. way. And, and, and I don't mean a long time. Like, oh, it's been a couple months. Like, they really just haven't had it together much at all this season. I'm, I'm, I think October 28th, that was the fifth game of the year against New Orleans. But but even as you say that, though, once again, he, there, there's something, even though you're right about that, having the same starting five out there, there, there seems to be a belief that is out there about this team that there is something wrong with this team, right? It's and nobody point nobody points to the injuries and said exactly what you just brought up. Man, they haven't had their starting five together. Nobody points to that and says that's the reason why they're so messed up. That's the reason why we see them just over a 500 team in the NBA. I think you're right that that perception's out there, but don't you think it has it's it's waning a little bit when you're eight and two in your last ten and you're finally going to have your starting five back together for the first time in almost three months? Yeah, you know, but uh, more than three uh, for me again. Why are we expecting something to be done at the trade deadline? Why, if that is the case? Because I think there's a difference between... I don't think I've wavered on this all season that they are a title contender, but not the favorite. Maybe they've dropped from, like, I had them as, like, a top three or four team yeah. at the start of the year, and I, I, and I guess I'd have to say now they'd maybe be, like, seventh or something. Uh, but they're in that range. I mean, who, who, when you look around the NBA, is, like, a clear cut, this team's going to win the title? I don't even totally believe in Boston because they remind me of the Suns last year. Okay, but outside of Jay Crowder, um, you know... We, we get a lot of people saying they have to do something with this team before the trade deadline. Now, Jay Crowder, we all know Jay Crowder is going to get traded. I have no idea what they're going to get back for Jay Crowder. We just know Jay Crowder is going to be traded, right, James? Yes. <laughs> James, you know, Matt Ishby is kind of watching. I'm just saying, James, right now, I'm sure you're going to trade Jay Crowder. At some point in time, you're going to trade him, right? We can all agree on that. My first order of business, why am I paying this guy to sit okay. in the gym somewhere? So, exactly. So, saying that, though, but... 
there's we we've been talking about this a lot of people and I it's not just us it's a lot of people in this business talking about the Suns need to do something do they the Suns need to do something if you're to believe what you're saying right there hey listen you know what the injury situation it's because of the injury situation how in the world can you make a judgment on this team when the starters the five starters have not been together yet I look at it and I think Chris Paul there, there's something different about CP3 this year and I think we'd all say that and the same time we'd say DA took a step back as well there's something different about those two entities I think if you want to win the title you need to add something it's more than just trading Jay Crowder what's frustrating about the Jay Crowder thing is it's hard to tell what you have really had all season because you've basically been playing voluntarily without a sixth man now unfortunately with the injury you were playing without a fifth, fourth, third, and first man for a while, too. And, and yet that attitude persists. Once again, you've got to do something, and it's got to be bigger than Jay Crowder. Well, I think that you have to trade Jay Crowder is mandatory. I think if you can get Kevin Durant, you have to do that. I think if you can make an intelligent move for a bigger piece, you probably need to to actually win the title, and I don't want to burn another year of Devin Booker, and I'm sure Chris Paul doesn't want one of his last couple, maybe last year, here burned, um, but I don't like, if they get through Thursday and everybody's healthy and they trade Jay Crowder for a decent role player, I don't think they're just done. I think they're a cont- Nobody in the West is really... Nobody in the West is dominant. I thought New Orleans was going to be better. Golden State's biding their time. Memphis looks good sometimes, and then sometimes they don't. I don't trust Denver as just an automatically title favorite team. I think they're a good team, and they would have to be the team that you're chasing right now. I don't think they're a lock to win the whole thing. And coming into this season, though, we were talking about Cam Johnson. There's no way we want, we want to trade Cam Johnson, right? Don't want to do that. And now, all of a sudden, after he's struggled a little bit the last few games, you're kind of like, well, you know what? Hey, well, if it's Kevin listen, Durant, I, well, you're going to have to trade guys you don't want to trade. I, once again, Mikael Bridges as well. There's another guy, another name that has been tied to Kevin Durant. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with James Jones, and we're going to talk about this, and of course, Matty Ish, Matt Ishbia, and his and his influence and impact on the trade deadline. Nice, nice jolt right before the trade deadline. However, when we come back, the Cardinals lost another head coaching candidate yesterday. So, what happened with Brian Flores, and what does it mean now? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Welcome back to Media Row. Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It is Wolf and Luke here on a Tuesday morning. And Wolf, when we left here yesterday, we were thinking, okay. I remember even saying this on the show. Okay, maybe it's not who everybody wanted, but at least we have some clarity, right? The Cardinals are down to three head coaching candidates. Lou Anarumo, Brian Flores, Mike Kafka. And we leave. Brian Flores takes a job as a defensive coordinator somewhere else. Interesting. So now we're down to two head coaching candidates, and um, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I was pretty. I was I was broken up a little bit right there. I I kind of had my heart set on Brian Flores. You're fr- you're frustrated though. Well, yeah. I mean, you and I both wanted Flores. I mean, for me, the the three things that that I had wanted out of this whole coaching search, dating back to like week eleven when people were talking about firing Cliff. I mean, how many times did I say on this show, probably to the point where you were sick of it? If you're gonna fire Cliff Kingsbury, that's fine. Have a plan. 
Yeah. I have no guarantee now that the guy you're going to hire is even as good as Cliff Kingsbury because they've never been an NFL head coach before. So I don't understand how you – all I wanted was for them to have a plan and get a coach with some NFL head coaching experience. Yes. And ideally be aggressive through this entire thing. And now – now, I mean, you're left connecting the dots of like – did. So did they tell Brian Flores, okay, you're not going to be our guy. We want a first-year head coach again. Or can they only get first-year head coaches now? Yeah, for me right now, um, I don't know what is going on. I really don't. Um, every guy that I've wanted to be the next head coach of my beloved Big Red <laughs> has been ruled out. Everyone, that's what I know right now. Sean Payton? No. Uh, Brian Flores? No. Vance Joseph? No. So every one of the guys that I wanted have been ruled out. Um, listen, it comes down to getting it right. And that's what I really care about right now. It's not the name that I wanted, but it's about getting it right in the end. And that's what I want for them to do to get it right. Just because Brian Flores had some coaching experience, prior coaching experience, something I loved, doesn't mean that Lou Anarumo can't be the guy. Doesn't mean that Mike Kafka can't be the guy. It doesn't mean that. No, it doesn't. The odds don't look good, but it doesn't mean they can't be successful at some point in time. And you know me, Luke, I was broken up over Brian Flores. I was because I love the guy. I think he's the anvil that would have really been great to shape Kyler Murray on. But having said that, I don't know that to be the case. I don't. And nobody really does. We're all going to have a front row seat to see if this is the right way to go or not. Well, look, they could have hired... Like, to me, what is this, day 29, where they haven't had a head coach? If if six days into the process, they go out and they're like, Mike Kafka's our guy, and we're yeah. hiring him. Yeah. Now, I know that doesn't that doesn't change how he ultimately coaches, but it certainly changes the, your fans' perception of, like, they went out and got Mike Kafka because this is the guy they wanted. Not they waited until everybody else, not the Colts, Are I get it, but the Colts. But it, it, it looks like now you're taking leftovers. It looks like either you're taking it's a everybody bad else's look. I, I'm willing to totally admit that. It is. And it might work, but it feels like... Like, you need to make money, and you could either go get a job, or you could play scratch tickets to make the money. Like, you might right. hit it big on one of the scratch sure. tickets, but how about you just go out and get the job to get the money first? Right. Um, I, I think if you were sitting in that room, though, you'd feel a lot better about it. I think you would, because you were talking to these guys. You you get their take on a lot of things. You know, hey, listen, that's a great answer right there. For me, for me, the interview matters. That's a big deal. Okay, it's one of the reasons why I continue to say, Eric Bieniemy. there's a guy, if ever he deserved the opportunity to go out and be the head coach, it's Eric Bieniemy. Why does he not get that opportunity? Why? I, I assume it's the interview. It's, he's, he's interviewed many, many times, and he has not gotten the job. Now, you know, uh, I think I think we all understand why the NFL would love for Eric Bieniemy to get a job. When you've got three black head coaches in the National Football League right now, you know you need four, and you need five. Well, he's and been you extremely six, successful and too. You need seven. Like it doesn't. It doesn't and you add need up. Eight. Yeah. And you and I'm going to continue to go. You know. That is that is something Roger Goodell and the whole league is looking at and saying, we got to fix this. This is a problem. we got to fix it. So having said that, once again, the interview matters. And if you're sitting there talking to somebody and you're not getting the answers you want to hear, 
you know, I'm going to I'm going to take that into account. I'm not sitting there and I'm going to give the people that are a little bit of leeway. But why does it feel like and this is not the first time. But this it's has not happened. a good look. Oh, yeah, and that, that and much I will talk. And that's all we can talk about on February but 7th. But is that going to matter to you if, in fact, it's the right guy? No, but I think you're playing the lottery, hoping it's the right guy at this point. You're, you're going into this Aren't process. Are you doing that with all, all coaches? Yeah. Because I can not tell you. Not all right, coaches, hey, listen, but yeah. Uh, okay. Sean Payton. Sean Payton was my guy. That was the guy that I was... He's already was, thrown down Sean, the law in Denver. Yeah, don't get me started I, right I, there. I, I like love that, that. Don't yeah. get me sidetracked. Okay, no sidetracking. Right but, but Sean Payton, once again, there, there's no guarantee that Sean Payton would have gotten Kyler Murray right and therefore gotten the Arizona Cardinals right. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. Okay, but you're but playing odds Sean, once exactly, again. Exactly, you're playing the odds. You're, Sean Payton is an 85% chance, and a first-year coach is a 20% chance. They absolutely could still do it. This is not an indictment of Mike Kafka or Lou Anarumo or if they if they add somebody else into the mix. It's not an indictment of any of them. Yes. I just feel like have a plan if you're going to fire your coach and go out and get them in the first two weeks. There's a reason well, other teams do that. I would. I think the plan was to cast the net far and wide. Which I did like. Okay. I mean, that was their plan to do that. But then why to wait talk two to weeks? a lot of different people. After you talk to Brian Flores, if you're going to bring him back in, why, why do you Listen, have to wait two weeks? Where's the urgency? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know where the urgency was. They they know why they weren't as urgent as they needed to be. I don't know where it was. I do know this once again. Give me players. That's what I want more than anything else. I've been very consistent with this for the last 20 years. Anybody that has listened to me, you know how I feel about coaching. It's important. There's no doubt about it. It's important. But Monty Ossenfort, bring me players, please. And they got him quickly. That's I like the most that. important thing. I like thing that they were definitive with that. By far and away, bring me players that are going to go out and actually make plays. Not coaches who are going to give you ideas that everybody basically has. Coaching is important. Heed my words and hear them well. I'm not saying it isn't, but for the crying out loud, if you were inside that locker room, you would see it. Some guys that have the worst position coach on the stinking team, and everyone knows it, it doesn't matter. That room is talented, and they ball out, and they help you win games. <laughs> it's, I mean, players win games. Ask Bill Belichick. He will tell you. Players win games. My only problem with that, and I'll disagree with you The greatest coach saying. in the history of the National Football League, players win games. We've heard him say that this year. Yeah. He said it at one of his press conferences. Yeah. The only problem with that is we're now having a conversation we had during this season when people were were calling for Cliff Kingsbury to be fired. I, I'm not and, and saying I just, it's not important. It is. It is. Coaching is important. Getting it right is something that I care about, so I don't care if you are going to be a first-time coach. Once again, what I've liked a coach that's um, had experience as a head coach in the NFL, yes. I, I value that. But does that mean that would have gotten it right? No. It doesn't. I just feel like they've gone down this path the last two times, and they clearly haven't been happy with the results because there's nobody there's n- nobody you hire here in the next two weeks now that, that anybody is going to feel like, eh, this guy might be gone in two years. That's how they're starting their job now. Yeah. And they look, Mike Kafka might be the greatest. He might be the next big thing. He might be the next Sean McVay. But I just don't Nick like Sirianni. the way they've gone around. Yeah, no. And look, I mean, first-year coaches have obviously worked in this league. It just felt like the Cardinals specifically needed somebody a little more established. With I everything totally that agree they, with you. Everything they were upset about last year. I totally agree. Yet at the same time, I know it's, it's not a guarantee. 
doesn't mean that their hire, whomever it may be, isn't going to come in here and be the guy to actually lead them. And that that is what we're all going to have a front row seat. So we can sit here and we can get all jacked up about it. And that's true. I got no problem with that. But the, the fact of the matter is, even with Sean Payton, whom I loved and wanted to be the next head coach, even with Sean Payton, there's no guarantee he would have gotten it right. It's true. What I care about is getting it right, period. So hopefully we're all going to have a front row seat because I think there's multiple candidates to actually get Kyler Murray right and this offense. Well, and a lot of that does start with Monty Austin Ford. I mean, he's the one that has the, Players. the toughest job right now is who can you bring in here. And that there's a lot of unknown there, certainly. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Like this response coming from the 763. Why do you think the Cardinals have no interest in Shane Steichen? I don't know. That we'll get, is interesting. That that if you're going to go first year head coach, I mean, I don't know. We'll get into that later on. Uh, what advice does Thomas Dimitrov have for Monty Austin Fort? We're going to ask the former Falcons GM. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Woo-hoo-hoo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. Welcome back to Media Row. Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. Wolf, we didn't even get into this before, but uh, Matt Ishbia, more movement with him last night, and it's supposed to be introduced tomorrow. The deal is supposed to close uh, at some point this week, so it sounds like progress is being definitively made, and not even progress. They're almost done with this now for the uh, for the Suns to have their new owner. What was the vote last night to approve? Was 29-0, so that's unanimous with one person abstaining. Guess who abstained? Oh! Uh- uh, I don't know. Somebody no. who didn't like Matt Ishbia. No. The one person that doesn't seem to have Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. <laughs> yes. Of Rocket Mortgage, I believe, Seems right? Like there's some sort of Rocket uh, Mortgage. Sort of pre-existing rivalry. I really just want Suns-Cavs in the uh, in the NBA Finals at this point. That'd be nice. This huh? is going to be really interesting right here. This is a little grudge, isn't it? This is, I like it. I like coming in with it. grudge. <laughs> you, you've got two CEOs, if you will, of these huge mortgage companies that are basically squaring off as owners as well in the NBA. (laughs) You know, it's one of the things I love about the World Cup, soccer. I'm not a big soccer guy. I am not at all, ladies and gentlemen. But I will tell you, when they roll the ball out onto the pitch and it's the World Cup, suddenly this is, is a metaphor for we are better than you are. Our way of life is better than your way of life. Our culture is better than your culture. Our country is better than your country, the history behind it, when suddenly you have, oh, I don't know, England and Germany playing each other, <laughs> uh, two world wars that basically happen. I'm just saying it's hysterical. Suddenly it becomes a metaphor for we're better than you are, and that's when I enjoy watching the World Cup the most. Can you imagine? Now you've got two major 
billionaires that own two different mortgage companies squaring off as owners in the NBA. That's pretty good. Look, I um, I was never a big wrestling guy growing up, but this feels like wrestling in the sense that you even have the GMs or the owners at this point uh, that already don't like each other, and Matt Ishbia hasn't even owned the Suns for a game yet. And he comes in, and there's already this passive-aggressive movement by Dan Gilbert. And Look, uh, that is secondary. It's entertaining, and I'm sure it's probably even more entertaining if you are a fan of one of the other 28 teams. But all that really matters if you're a Suns fan is a new era is beginning this week. I mean, everything that we talk about with trades, Devin Booker's coming back, guys have been hurt, and is this team a a legitimate contender? I know some people believe the championship window is closed. I don't fall in that category. I absolutely still believe it's open, but you do have to put work in to keep it open. But all of that is separate from the fact that a new era is beginning for the Phoenix Suns, and it's it's an era that a lot of Suns fans have wanted for like 15 years to start. Yes, yes. Right now you have to ask yourself this question. What kind of owner do you think Matt Ishbia is going to be for the Phoenix Suns? Sounds like he wants to be hands-on. What what kind of owner is he going to be going forward? Man, this is, to me, it's an exciting time. It really, really is. Yes, uh, the whole Robert Sarver, there were many, many people that did not want Robert Sarver to be the owner of the Phoenix Suns. And we all know it was was a very dry period for the Phoenix Suns, for the vast majority of that ownership. No doubt about it. Ten years, basically. Ten years, basically, out in the wilderness, metaphorically walking around. No doubt. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Matt Ishbia coming in. And Matt Ishbia uh, has a lot of resources. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Resources and personal experience to actually draw on stuff that I think is really, really rare. And we've talked about this. No offense to Michael Jordan. We've talked about this. Okay. Where, <laughs> where is this going? No offense to Michael no, Jordan? No, where, again, uh, there's just not a lot of owners of professional franchises that have the kind of background and experience that Matt Ishbia has. Yes. Or a Michael Jordan, of course. Michael Jordan has a little bit Michael more. Michael Jordan. Yeah. But here you've got Matt Ishbia. He and his brother, they own what? 57%? John uh, Gambo was actually reporting 57% of that $4 billion. Okay? They, they own the vast majority. And because of that now, this is a guy that has an awful lot of impact on this organization going forward and not just as an owner of an NBA team but as a guy that I think is going to be involved in making decisions I'm talking about personnel decisions yeah um, you tell me, how's that going to fly? What's going to be different? What kind of owner is he going to be? It's going to be different. All we really know about what kind of owner he's going to be so far, and again, this is just connecting the dots, but he's the sort of owner that was willing to sign off on a trade for Kyrie Irving. Now, whether you wanted Kyrie or not, the fact that he seems like he was going to step in and be willing to allow or oversee that trade and sign off on it, I mean, that was two days ago. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, that to me is encouraging because that 
that conveys an air of we're not going to limit ourselves. You know, you control what you can control. We're going to go all in, and we're going to see what happens. And if it's a rental, we'll go ahead and we'll do that because that's what basically Kyrie was. Now, you almost called him Kyrie without even driving. That Kyrie, would be a, a Freudian slip. That would have been yes. beautiful oh, right there. Yeah. It really would. But that's what Kyrie basically was. Now, you could have re-signed him, of course. But still, um, at least the reports are saying that Kyrie is very interested in testing the free agent waters. Shocking. Interestingly <laughs> enough. It's the only way he can play for every team. And we all know he's got a history. And wherever he goes, he's a culture killer. Has been that throughout his entire career. So yet he was willing, he was on board to bring him in. That's very interesting. A great point by you right there, Kevin Durant going forward. Um, will he overlook some of the, I don't know, slip-ups of Kevin Durant? Will he overlook some of the drama that has surrounded Kevin Durant as well, wherever he's been? I would think so. If he was willing to acquire Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, you're willing. Yeah. yeah. If you're willing to acquire Kyrie, you're willing to acquire anybody. Yeah, exactly. What kind of owner is he going to be? He wants to win. That much we know. You know, he wanted to take ownership before the trade deadline for a reason, I think. There's no doubt about this. This this was rushed, in my opinion, to get him in as the owner of the Phoenix Suns legitimately before the trade deadline. And that was done for a reason. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It would be pretty anticlimactic if after all that and the rush, I mean, if you're not going to make a big trade, What's the difference between Matt Ishbia's deal closing this week and two weeks from now? So if you're going to do that, and, and and I'm not saying he went and was like, we got to get Kyrie. I'm just saying if James Jones is like, all right, I want Kyrie, Matt Ishbia was like, do what you got to do. Let's do this. That's what it seems like. Kevin Durant. Least. Yeah, Kevin Do Durant, what whoever, you got to do. Whoever else. I mean, if it's not going to be KD, I keep going back and forth on KD because it seems like the Nets think they're still in this, so they might not trade him to the summer. He hasn't demanded a trade, but he also wouldn't talk to anybody last night, which is... <laughs> That was really weird right there. This is very strange. So he's not playing right now. I mean, who knows with Kevin Durant? It's either going to, the trade's going to happen or the trade isn't going to happen. We know the Suns are prepared to pursue. (laughs) Prepared to pursue Kevin Durant. Not talking about, you know, they're, yeah, they're open to acquiring Kevin Durant. No, they're prepared to pursue. Man, I'll tell you, I I think something big is coming down because Matt Ishbia is going to have his press conference tomorrow before the trade deadline. I think something big is going to come down for the Suns. Flavortown is pulling up right across the street from the big game this Sunday. Join Guy Fieri, Diplo, and over 20 food vendors for the ultimate tailgating party. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. We are out here at Media Rose. We'll talk some football next, Wolf. How's that sound? Let's go. We'll talk some football. You like football? Got a mouth guard? Let's go. All right, football next. Blood in the mouth. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona. I actually do have a mouth guard in my car right now. Should I go get it? Eye black on. I don't have any eye black. Sorry. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. 
want to remind you, Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuities. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. It is Wolf and Luke on a Tuesday morning out here at Media Row. And Wolf, pleased to be joined now by Thomas Dimitrov, who is the CEO of Sumer Sports, but he's also former Atlanta Falcons GM and somebody who knows the current Cardinals GM, Monty Austinfort. So first of all, Thomas, thanks for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Love the energy around here in your city. It's incredible, man. It really is, especially being here on Media Road, Thomas. It's so cool, man. And football is in the air. Just give me quickly the state of the football universe as you see it, Thomas Dimitrov. Look, I, I was talking to someone earlier. I mean, I really believe it's fast-paced. You get a lo- you're getting a lot of young, energetic guys in the GM roles and the head coaching roles. And, and we know this. We always knew the not-for-long football idea. It is definitely not for long now. You cannot sit on your hands in today's world. You have to be aggressive with your approaches. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that at a lot of levels. One of the reasons that I joined the company that I, I'm involved with now is because there are the, the league is evolving. And if yes. you're not on board, man, you'll be left behind. And what is the company you're involved the, with? So the company is called Sumer, S-U-M-E, Sumer Sports. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a roster management company. Basically, it's a data analytics company for football at this point. It could evolve. And uh, it's got just so many layers. And, and I think uh, to be able to talk about it, hopefully, uh, there's just so many layers about it. It is based off of, you know, uh, uh, cutting-edge algorithmic elements that are they're going to really help teams augment their abilities with all the data that we have. It, and honestly, in the league, and, and Eric here can, can opine on it, the, the data in the league is criminally underused. And we believe that these really good GMs out there, like Monty, can augment their abilities with what we potentially offer, uh, and I think they can do they can do really good work. Interesting. The, yep. Yeah, Eric Eager is here too. Your your VP of uh, research and uh, and development. So when you look around the league right now, I guess let, let's start with Monty Austin for it because uh, you know him from your time in New England, and a lot of Cardinals fans are still getting to know him. But uh, what can you tell us about Monty? I mean, I know you knew him very early in, in his career, but now here he is as a GM. Yeah. So Monty and I worked uh, together in in uh, New England, and he was always, as you can tell, I mean, he's a very astute guy. He's very focused. He's not a guy that's going to be twisted left and right with things. He's he is you know he actually fit very very well with us in that Patriot paradigm, right? If you work for the Patriots, you, you can't be uh, you know you can't be like off the beaten path a little. You have to be right down the middle in many ways. I mean, I got along with Bill, of course, but our styles were a little different. Monty fit in there very well. Had a really good eye. He was he was a tireless worker, and he was a guy that over the years I I stayed involved with him. We didn't obviously work together, but I was very impressed with how he was growing and he had always in my mind a very open mind with what was on the other side meaning he would be interested in being on the front end of the curve as it pertained to what we're talking about here that's a really important thing for general managers and for for michael bidwell to have someone like that coming in who has a fresh approach and a fresh look i think is going to be great for them thomas what's the number one thing you learned from bill belichick with your time with the patriots oh gosh i I think i think it was um basically you do your work and do it to your (laughs) effing best ability and 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 will do we'll your do job do, oh is it do your job do but your laden, job laden with the expletives for sure i mean it wasn't it wasn't something that was like and, and it was it was honestly indisputable role understanding is what i liked i took it when i got to atlanta i morphed it and changed the wording to it but it was <laughs> basically indisputable role understand do your job and know what the heck your job is and do it we're talking to uh, thomas dimitrov and eric eager of sumer sports um for either one of you guys now we got a cardinals team that are, I mean, they're rebuilding. There's 
no way around it. And we don't know even know exactly which players are still going to be on this team. So if you're taking over a team and you're looking to rebuild the roster as well, you don't have the coach yet, but what is like the first thing you're looking for? What, what are the first things they should be looking for? Yeah, I think you really have to find a coach that is going to help Kyler Murray enhance the players around him, right? When you're a quarterback who makes $46 million a year, you, once you reach that veteran quarterback salary, you have to be a player that elevates those around him, right? We're in the Super Bowl. You know, Patrick Mahomes is making that kind of money, and he's doing it with Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, guys who are not making what Tyree Kill made, right? And, and so, you know, when Murray was making, you know, rookie deal money, much like Jalen Hurts is right now, it's a lot easier to build a team around him. Now when you're in that second phase, what you have to use is your coach, right? Uncapped money, right? You have to use your coach, and, you know, Mike Kafka, for example, one of the finalists there, you know, has, you know, has history with not only Mahomes, but also Daniel Jones this past year. You have to find a coach that I think that helps Kyler Murray make those around him better. Eric, this question is specifically for you as well. And Thomas, if you want to jump in after, that's great. But talk to me about analytics. Analytics shouldn't be just the end-all, be-all, right? You've got to read the room as well. Is that your philosophy? Well, for sure. I mean, you know, a lot of my work, you know, part of me doing my job at Sumer, right, is, is me going to Thomas and being like, hey, you know, I think that there's something here in the data. You know, can you tell me what this is football-wise, right? So one of the, the key things, and I know that the Cardinals suffered through this, is having a great number one receiver is good for the first half of the year. But once you get in the second half of the year and guys break down, you need to have second and third options. And, I, you know, I asked Thomas, like, when he when you built a team, you know, was that something you looked at? You obviously had Julio Jones, but your best season came with Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, these second secondary and tertiary receivers. You know, that that's something that analytics kind of can prove when it's really the intuition of, of great evaluators and great football people. Anything I, to add to that, Tom? Well, no, look, I, I think everyone needs to know this is not black box to your, what you're alluding to, right? You get a lot of really good football, smart football people out there, and you get really smart, really, really smart. I mean, this, this guy's a doctorate in mathematics and understands football because he played football you know, in college. What a great mix that is to have a group like that. We have we have close to 30 data data scientists and engineers in this group. It, there's cool. There's not a team out there, not a team, including the Cardinals, who are going to spend on not only the resources to put together a, da- a data group like that. So why not go to the to the third party, right? And again, work with the group. Uh, obviously, that's a big thing. I, w- I would really say the other thing that's really important about this, the opportunity to move to other elements. Like when you start talking about digging into coaching evaluation, I know as a former general manager and gone through two coaches and many, many coaches within our staffs, we have to figure out a better way. The league does, and I say this respectfully to the owner, there's got to be a better way to pick the head coaches and the coordinators in this league. They can make or break your team. Of course, the head coaches can. But so can your position coaches. Interesting. There are elements out there to be tapped into that I think are fascinating in the future. Do you guys find, is there still hesitation among parts of the league to embrace the sort of the newer model of, of how to build a team? I mean, I know you want to try and find that balance between new school and old school, but are there still teams that are like, no, it's, it's never going to be that way. Yeah, and it's always, it's always gradual. When I was at Pro Football Focus, we got all 32 clients, but then they were very much like, just give us the data and shut up, right? And then after that, it's sort of like, you know, now it's, we're really trying to, not 
only give you answers, but also shape questions, right? Shape the questions that, that these teams uh, can ask. And to Thomas's point, like, you know, oftentimes analytics departments in NFL teams are small, right? And they're only going to an- answer questions that are pertinent to the team that they're working for. And so you don't get, you know, you get so siloed that you can't look at the rest of the league, right? And you can't look at all the problems that have been solved league-wide. And that's why, you know, the, you have these wonderkins that come through, and, and like Kyle Shanahan, he completely destroys the league with his new offense. Or, you know, the, the, the two high shells with, with Fangio and history and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, the, the, one of the benefits of a third-party vendor is us being able to say from, you know, the, the for, you know looking at the forest through the trees thing, hey, this is where the league is going right now. I know you have done this this way forever. Help us at least get you to the and asking the right questions within your building. And and you to, great points. And you can say that you can get 32 general managers around here right now, and every one of them, if they were being honest, hand on a Bible if they believed, whatever it is, they would say, I know this is not an exact science, yes. and I need more help to be all this underutilized data. Let me use that data to make me make help make me make better decisions yes. and have a more clear mind. And and I look, it's it's really cool because you get the younger guys that are in their late 30s as general managers. You get the mid group and you get the older group in the 50s. Can you imagine we're saying we're old in the 50s now? But old. but but I think there's a real there's an open minded element to it. It's where we say it's evolving now. The evolution is going to take time. You can't ramrod something like this down their throats. We've talked about that. Yeah. We we have to have guys like we do at Sumer, like Eric, that can bring his intelligence to the table. When I'm sitting down with a contemporary of mine and saying, look, this is the way to make you that much better and your organization that much better. And and The league think, changes so much, too. That, right. Like If we gave a black box answer, it'd be wrong in two years. Imagine a, d- a decade thinking about drafting a quarterback first overall that's 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, like yes. it, would, yeah. it would not be a thing, right? Yes. So we need to be able to have you know, flexibility and be able to be uh, you know uh, pliable with respect to subject matter experts. Thomas, Eric, we appreciate the time. Thank Good you, luck. guys. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing. Appreciate Excellent. you. That's Thank you. Thomas Dimitrov and Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Uh, we'll come back. The Suns, what are their chances of actually landing Kevin Durant? We're going to ask the co-host of Keyshawn, Jay Will and Max. Jay Williams will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.